Hello there. Welcome to this episode of Forest Ghost Conversations. This is your host, Anthony King, and this week, along with special guest Colby Mead, host of the Colby Cast podcast, we'll be doing a deep dive look into Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull in anticipation for the release of Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Before we get started, I'm inviting you to join the conversation with us. We can be found on Twitter and Hive at Forest Ghost Pod. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok just by searching Force Ghost Conversations. Also, please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on your listening site of choice. Plus, Force Ghost Conversations is live on Patreon. If you're a fan of the podcast and would like to consider pledging your support, there will be a link in the episode description for you to check out the various tiers offered. Finally, please be sure to check out our Tee Public store to buy some Forest Ghost Conversations merchandise. And without further ado, it is time to gather around the campfire for some Forest Ghost Conversations. Okay, everyone, welcome back to Force Ghost Conversations, and I am so thrilled to get into this incredible conversation with Colby, discussing the somewhat divisive, but we both loved it, film, King Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, which of course came out in 2008 and was the return to the franchise that I think is, is an excellent film, and I'm glad to discuss it here with Colby, and we chat through many aspects of the film, so you don't want to miss out on this excellent conversation that recontextualizes, I think, this film in a different light that hopefully may change some opinions about it as time goes on. But before we get into that, let's talk about some of the news that came out in Star Wars over this past week, and Lucasfilm Galaxy as well. So a new video game was announced called Star Wars Outlaws. Massive Entertainment, Ubisoft, and Lucasfilm Games will be releasing this game, which is the first ever open-world Star Wars game. And of course, it'll be released uh, in 2024 at some time on uh, Xbox Series X and S, PlayStation 5, and the PC. Now, the game is set between the events of Star Wars The Empire Strikes Back and Star Wars The Return of the Jedi. And in the game, players will step into the role of K. Vess, a clever scoundrel in the galactic underworld. Now, in Star Wars Outlaws, K is looking to attempt to one of the biggest heists the Outer Rim has ever seen, all in an effort to start a new life. Now, that sounds very exciting. Of course, there's a trailer that accompanies this um, this uh, this announcement as well, which you can check out on YouTube, which is pretty cool. And we will certainly be covering this game in more detail as more news comes out. And especially when it does come out, we'll be playing it extensively because I won't have grad school, which is an exciting thing. I am looking at you, Jedi Survivor. I will play you one of these days very soon. So get ready for that as we'll talk about it here on the podcast too. So also, this past week, the premiere of Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny took place in Los Angeles, California. With the incredible hype that is now surrounding this film, we cannot wait to see it on June 30th. And you can rest assured that our following episodes in July will be about this new installment for the franchise. And that is all that I had for the news this week. Stay tuned on the other side of this very short break. We will have our conversation with Colby Mead about Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Stay tuned.
All right, everyone, welcome back to another installment of Force Ghost Conversations. And as you know, if you've been listening the last couple of weeks here, we've been covering Indiana Jones and the franchise extensively. And unfortunately, as of now, we haven't hit June 30th yet. We're at the last film of the franchise. Of course, this is the fourth installment, Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. And to break down this film at great length, we will do it at great length, folks, rest assured. I'm bringing back last week's guest, who gracious, graciously came on to discuss The Last Crusade. Welcome back to Force Ghost Conversations, Colby Mead, host of the Colby Cast. Colby, how's it going? I'm so excited to have another chance to talk about Indiana Jones, Anthony, so thank you so much. You're welcome. I'm so thrilled to continue these conversations with you. It was so much fun last week to talk the the Last Crusade, and of course, I'm like, let's let's keep the good vibes going. Let's have another chat about Indiana Jones in the lead up to the Dial of Destiny later this month. And that's where I want to start is to talk about your experience with this movie. Of course, this comes out almost 20 years after the Last Crusade came out. It came out in 2008. Um, and I, I want to know from your experience as a fan of these films growing up, and then you're in a different stage of your life when you're watching this film later on, what was the hype like for this new Indiana Jones movie? What was your theater-going experience like for this brand-new adventure? You know, it, I, I'm so glad that you mentioned that I was in a much different place in my life than I <laughs> yeah. was with The Last Crusade because at this point... So the movie came out in 2008, right? Yep. Um, Crystal Skull. Uh, yeah. So at that point, I had a nine-year-old and a seven-year-old uh, who you can hear me talk to now in their 20s on yep. the Colby cast. <laughs> Full circle. Uh, but much different, much different scenario <laughs> back then. And, you know, honestly, there wasn't a ton of movie theater goings on in our family mm. at this time. So I actually didn't see this one in the theater. Really? Well, we share no. that same thing, but for different reasons. <laughs> <laughs> Nevertheless, I still have a fun story about it because, um, of course, Indiana Jones, I was hyped about it. Uh, you know, I, I don't remember experiencing too much of the pop culture type of hype around it. Mm -hmm. But later that year, because it came out in spring, right, of, uh, of, of 2008. Yes. Later that year, we actually started a family tradition on New Year's Eve. And... Ooh. We started doing movie marathons on New Year's Eve. We would watch movies, it. but we would choose a franchise with multiple movies. So we would do multiple, you know, like a, a one franchise movie marathon. And Indiana Jones was the first one we did. Yes. So it was 2008, New Year's Eve. We started early. We watched Raiders, continued on Temple of Doom, Last Crusade. And then I think we all fell asleep. And then... <laughs> It was of course can't New make Year's... it to midnight. <laughs> no, no, especially with two young kids. Yeah. Um, but then it was New Year's Day. We finished it off and we watched Kingdom of the Crystal Skull on New Year's Day as a family. And that was my first viewing of it. And I really enjoyed it. The kids loved it. The family just enjoyed the whole experience of spending New Year's Eve 2008, 2009 with Indian friends. So wow. that was my experience with this movie. We have to go back a second here because this must is this your first kid is this your kid's first time watching the Indiana Jones films in this experience? Yep. So they're literally going from faces being melt 
to a guy <laughs> getting his heart ripped out to yeah. whatever happens like with the advanced aging at the end of the last crusade <laughs> they're getting yeah. all this at once and they still are falling asleep <laughs> they... please don't judge me and my parenting skills for showing my seven-year-old the temple oh man of i'm applauding it i'm <laughs> applauding it this is a sign of good parenting yeah so yeah it is i i never really thought about it that way anthony but yeah they were <laughs> their first experience with indy was the entire franchise at once now i i would have to look at my timeline and maybe verify with them but i do know that they really enjoyed the indiana jones lego video games okay great so yeah. i don't know if this was before or after the movie marathon mm. though and that's you know i'm gonna write that down and, and ask them because now i'm wondering so That's a great question, because there... they might have had some inkling of what was happening based off of that video game, yeah. Yeah, and for me, I think my enjoyment of the film is absolutely framed by the fact that I experienced it with them, yes. my whole family, the four of us watching together and enjoying it uh, in that, rather than sitting in a theater and then going and consuming the discourse afterwards. I had heard some of the, the conversation around the film, but I I kept my judgment uh, for myself because I hadn't seen it. Um, right. So, you know, I definitely enjoyed the experience of watching it with them. And I'm sure that that just helped uh, enjoy the film as well. I think so too. I mean, it's the holiday season. You're in the midst of good vibes, right? Family, good food. You're just enjoying each other's company, right? I think it that certainly that environment breeds having a good time with each other, right? Like you're already watching these great films. You're watching them with your family and you're like, let's have another adventure, right? You're not, you're not affected by, this negative cloud bubble above you. You're just mm -hmm. in the midst of a fun time with the family, sitting on the couch, eating some leftovers, <laughs> and, and know, bringing I, in the new year. And that's exactly what we were doing. Anthony, I can remember it. I can remember exactly where I was sitting watching this movie. You know, we had waited till later in the day, so we had watched the Rose Parade. We had oh, watched, done all it. the... I did. We did all the normal New Year's Day activities, and then it was getting into the afternoon, and we watched this one, and it was just—it's a great memory. And for it to be the first, and it, yeah, it starts this new tradition. Yeah, absolutely. what better way to do this? Yeah. Oh man, we've watched I... the Avengers, we've watched the Matrix movies. We we, we just choose a franchise that has man, multiple this, things. This is to great. Watch I gotta and... come to your house on, on New Year's, <laughs> New Year's Eve. Absolutely... It sounds rocking. <laughs> Let me know what time you'll be here. All right. I... <laughs> West Coast time zone, I can get there even faster and, and gain some time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Ooh, that's the benefit, man. That's that rocks. Um, yeah, I think we all know from from my experience that I had no idea what was going on when this movie came out. Uh, I just remember being in school at the time. I was in middle school, and I, I think it was in eighth grade. And I had a bunch of friends that were excited to see it, and I was like, oh, I would love to see it one day. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> my mom was certainly still adamant about upholding that rule at that time and i wasn't allowed to see these films and i remember uh I, th I think this was the summer i went to disney world or maybe it was the summer before and i was able to see the indiana jones stunt spectacular that they have there at disney world and that was really where i was like "Ooh, maybe she'll let me see these movies now and she i was like i looked at her with that like you know that face of like well maybe she knew exactly what I was asking for without even having to say anything. She was like, nope, not, not, not any chance, bucko. <laughs> You're lucky you get to see this stunt show. I'm like, okay. I love <laughs> one it. day, I love it. one day I'll get to see this. So 
honestly, I had no idea that there was a negative, you know, backlash towards this film. People didn't like it, all that stuff. I wasn't really into social media at the time yet. That was still kind of in its infancy. Yeah. Twitter really didn't have its stride until 2009. Facebook was kind of the, the king in my space at this point while that was still a thing. Um, I remember some negative discourse and criticism about it just from like my own Facebook site at that time. But I, again, I was like, eh. I thought I really chalked it up to it kind of being just like an extension of like, it's cool to hate on George Lucas, right? Because we're still Good in point. the era of people not liking the prequels. George Lucas ruined my childhood kind of people were at their heydays at this point. Um, Spielberg, too, was getting backlash at the time for his uh, changes to E.T. That was in that popular DVD release in the early 2000s. And there was questions, maybe he'll do that to Indy when that those subsequent DVD releases came out. And I was like, man, they got to lighten up. It's probably a, a great movie and all that stuff. And it is what it is. So, of course, I think that's really why, you know, we avoided that, that whole drama controversy of it all and and our different viewing experiences of it all so when i watched it what 12 years later (laughs) or not 12 years eight eight years later i think it was 2016 i watched it um and uh you know i basically did what your 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 sons did there watching them back to back to back that's a man this is a great adventure i don't know what people didn't like about this at the time and there and then i look it up why people had gripes them like really that was it. They they didn't like that he uh you know avoided a nuclear bomb by hiding in a in a in a in a fridge like did, <laughs> did they not see Temple of Doom where the guy came, lands in a jumps out of a plane in a raft and lands exactly. lands without any like recoil or bones broken or anything like that like did, are you guys watching this same franchise? What's going on? <laughs> I don't I don't get it. <laughs> I have to tell you that I had the same thoughts as I was watching and talking and thinking through uh, this movie. Like, the complaints that people had, I literally had the same thing in my brain, Anthony. Have you watched the other movies? Yeah, I'm right. Really? Like, come on yeah. now. <laughs> it's, anyway, you know, it's, it is it is what it is. And, and it, I think it's – I had never thought about the temperature of the George Lucas – Mm-hmm. opinions at that yeah. time but you're absolutely right because this was all post uh prequel trilogy i think by the time revenge of the sith came around people were sort of appeased but the f- episode one and two hate was still so strong it was and strong you're, yeah and i think you're right it absolutely overflowed into the indies um into this movie uh yeah. and then the social media aspect of it too like you said you know twitter was not really a thing quite yet but facebook was had already uh you know it was well established i think well established and um i i just think that social media has changed the way that we consume entertainment so so drastically because it used to be going out to the playground on monday morning talking about hey i saw this on saturday night Mm -hmm. and this is what we're talking about and you had your circle of friends you had your group and maybe there was some dis, you know um divisive opinions but you worked it out and you're like whatever but now that the whole world can converse yes. about these things it has just changed things so drastically and 
And I'm hoping maybe someday we can just sort of circle back around and history can repeat itself and we can get that playground feel, but still talking to people on the other side of the world about things. And and I know that's one of the things I like to try to do with my podcast. And one thing that you are very good at with yours is to be that type of voice. Uh, and you know our circle of friends yes. we're all that type of voice and i that's one of the Agreed. reasons why i love being a part of this community thank goodness for like star wars celebration and and yeah. those types of gatherings right where they were we were celebrating 20 years of attack of the clones last year in anaheim around this you know yeah. it was hard to believe it was over a little over a year ago at this point yep. but in 2005 i would have never thought we'd be at a place where as a fandom we could collectively come together and say, yeah, this movie rocks, <laughs> and, and say it loud and proud and have a full arena arena's worth of people there to celebrate and cheer all these actors and creators coming onto the stage to be like, yeah, Attack of the Clones is a great movie. Deal with it. Yeah. <laughs> Deal yeah, with absolutely. It. <laughs> and, and you don't have to chime in if you don't like it. You, it exactly. It is an option. It is an option to let people just be happy with it is a what choice. they're happy with. To, to let your own opinions not be heard. <laughs> that's, a, that's you know, I love that. You know, that's exactly right. Like you say, you know, you had friend conversations at recess. I would say we had conversations at the lunchroom table when it came to mm-hmm. this. Like it's where I had conversations with my friends about this. And sure, we'd have little fun. We'd make fun of things in, in good humor, right? We'd say like, wasn't this a funny moment? Ha, ha, ha. But overall, yep. we'd be like, this movie was great. Like I remember a film that has... I mean, in this same vein, you got to look at blockbusters in this 2007 through 2009 range here, which Indiana Jones, Kingdom of Crystal Skull falls right in on. There's a film like Transformers, which came out just the summer before, which my friends and I adored. We loved that movie. That was so cool and incredible to see on screen. Now, of course, you can have gripes about, you know, maybe the CGI hasn't aged well. Problematic actors might be in this movie, too. (laughs) (laughs) Problematic directors doing stuff, right? You know, all that stuff. But at the end of the day, we had a great time. And we geeked out about it. We laughed about it. And that's the memories that we'll take from that. And I hope that many people that were enjoying this movie got to have that same experience. And it wasn't muddled by the negativity and criticism that a vocal minority online might have been spouting yeah. and then people fall into the line of like well maybe I, do did i like the movie or did i not like it it causes people to second guess their own opinions when sure does yeah. i wish that you know people felt more empowered to be like no this is my opinion and stand and stand up for it too um yeah it's just a wild time it's a wild time that this i mean it still is a wild time anytime <laughs> a new movie comes out i feel like it doesn't matter if it's 100 percent people love it or not there's always going to be some segment of the audience that's going to be going on twitter or ranting or raving that like this is the worst movie of all time how dare you like it if you like it you're a less than human being yeah and like yeah, just let people exactly. like what they like as long as it doesn't belittle people's existences and all that stuff like it's just it's just entertainment at the end of the day if they're entertained they're fine <laughs> it's just a movie it's just a movie i will breathe a second from <laughs> yeah. now i will wake up tomorrow yeah. i don't need to engage with it Yep. I think being in the Star Wars grander Lucasfilm community has really taught us how to be more Jedi-like when it comes to embracing opinions of others. <laughs> and how. Absolutely. 
So can you think of anything else? I, before we get uh, on to other questions, I just want to make sure that we've, I think we've covered it all here. But if you can think of anything else that why folks might have uh, had a negative reaction to this movie, you know, feel free to, to share any. But I think, I think that's about it. Uh, yeah, I agree. And I just, you know, I, I, I had to literally look up what some of these gripes were towards this movie. And yeah. it's just... Uh, and and it's just a list swinging of from branch scratch. to branch like yeah. it's it's 30 seconds of the movie how is that gonna yeah, ruin it, it for you <laughs> people i mean there were some complaints again and i wasn't really part of the discussion but i did go uh, on this thing that they call the internet and look back you can sort of look back in time and try to catch a glimpse of what people were saying and there's like sketchy use of cgi i'm like first of all i never it's it's a thing of mine i'm ne- I grew up in the 80s, Anthony. I don't need to worry about CGI. Like, it's never have an issue for me in CGI. Um, you, know, I, you know, I watched MTV vi- music videos where they used <laughs> stop-motion animation. Yeah. And it won awards. So, like, don't, I don't worry about CGI. Plot development was chaotic. They're saying weaker story points. And, okay, I did find, even when I rewatched it recently... I did get a little confused. There was a lot going on in the plot. At one point, I just sort of I, I asked myself, "Wait, a what? Why are they doing what they're doing right now? Because did I get distracted and miss something?" Mm-hmm. But again, I'm a ride the roller coaster kind of guy. I'm not going to sink the whole ship because I got confused along the way. Yes. Um, yes. So, again, this is an an adventure film. It's supposed to be fun. You're supposed to go in there and have a good time. And it maybe audiences had just progressed beyond what audiences were when these films were first mm. coming out. I, mm. I don't know if it's a sophistication kind of thing, but we definitely, mm. I think we just started to expect different things out of movies. And then they gave us another indie movie, yeah. which was really in a lot of ways true to the previous ones. Yes. And I don't know that the audience understood what, what was happening. You're right. Um, You're right. But again, is that the film's fault? I don't know. Mm. I liked it. I enjoyed it. Um, That's a great so, question that you raise here. Yeah. It's basically like, was the audience, per- the audience wants another Indiana Jones film, but do they really want another Indiana Jones film, right? Because the Thank creators you. aren't going to create, the, they're not going to create Raiders Part 2. No. They're not going to create the same movie over and over again. In order for them to come back, they have to create something story-wise that is interesting for them, that tells something about the characters and puts them in different situations than what was before. So that means certain characters aren't coming back. Certain characters do come back because that puts our heroes in different situations and we get to see them grow. Mm -hmm. And maybe the audience, without saying it, wasn't prepared for it being different a la a phantom menace (laughs) right oh good point whereas you know we're 15 years out now it's crazy to say that i always feel like kingdom of the crystal skull came out two years ago (laughs) (laughs) i'm always perpetually living in 2010 which i'm like oh my gosh (laughs) that's 13 years ago but yes (laughs) um you know was the audience ready to to see this and and now that we have the advantage of time has passed. I feel like the audience has accepted this movie for, for what it is. And also have been able to see 
the positives that this film presents and the fun adventure that is there at the end of the day. Yeah, it's a really it could be uh, on the big poster of movies that can represent this type of a conversation where original fans felt let down because of X, Y, Z. The movie that the 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 audience that the movie was made for in the first place weren't in a place in their life where they had a voice to express their appreciation for the film. So it's a really unbalanced conversation now uh whereas before it really we didn't have the tools to be as loud as we are mm-hmm. um so i love what's happening with the prequels and also with this film because i feel like now the people that the films were made for are are now in the position to to be heard they have a voice that's right yeah that's yeah. right I, it's great, and I I love how this these films are getting recontextualized as time goes on. And you're right, yeah. as people of my generation and younger that love this stuff now have a, their day in the sun in terms of talking about all this great content that's going on. I love it, and you know, let's talk about how this film gets made a little bit here, right? So, yeah. from my understanding and the behind the scenes work of this all, Harrison Ford was really the one that was really drumming up this, this interest in both George and Steven to get this done. And then George is like, all right, let me think about a story. And then Steven was like, I don't want to do aliens. And George is like, hold on, let me, let me do something else here. Um, and so it, really Harrison's the one that gets the, this all rolling here. So why do you think that he of all people was adamant to get one more adventure for Indy done at that time? We know he's going to have another one coming up here in a couple of weeks. But why why was this important to him in the in the late two thousands? I really think that Harrison Ford loves this character. I agree. I, yeah, I think he just has. I think Indy has a a very unique and special place in Harrison Ford's heart. And at that time, he probably wanted to play him again, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it could be just it could be part of it. I'm not going to oversimplify things. Clearly. It's a complicated situation. Sure. You know, making a movie is difficult. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. 100%. Um, but apparently Harrison Ford and George Lucas had been talking about the potential of this film or another film even way back in the mid-90s. And mm-hmm. if you think about it that way, that's only four, five, six years after The Last Crusade. Yeah. That they're talking about making another indie movie. That's not that, that's not that long in, in movie movie terms right um i found a quote and it was actually harrison ford doing an interview about the dial of destiny and i just it just sort of stuck out to me it's sort of gives us a look into how harrison ford feels about the character and if you don't mind i'm going to read it don't go ahead absolutely the the question he was asked was what will he miss about playing indiana jones Mm. and i found his answer to be so thought-provoking and this is what he said so what will he miss he said nothing we did it (laughs) he said he goes no i mean i can tell you how much joy it's given me to be indiana jones i've done it five times and i've loved every time even when it wasn't as much admired as it sometimes was every time the passion of the people Mm. involved has matched my passion because i love what this kind of film brings to an audience the combination of adventure and emotion is really the elements of its success 
So I found it really interesting that he even referenced the backlash against yes. Crystal Skull. Yes, and, and probably even Temple of Doom, too. <laughs> true, very true. And you know what? He doesn't care. He no. doesn't care about that because he's, he feels like he's done everything he can do with this character. And it just made me feel like he has come to a place of peace mm. with and completion with being Indiana Jones. And I, I just loved that quote. And you don't feel that way unless you are connected to a character extremely, extremely intimately. Yeah. Uh, and I th- honestly, probably, I-, I think that that would be the impetus behind him wanting to make Crystal Skull. He, I just think he loves playing Indiana Jones. Agreed. Agreed. And he, Indiana Jones is Harrison Ford, and Harrison Ford is Indiana Jones. I mean, like... It's just fascinating how, like, this not only is... Harrison Ford is known for many characters in his career, right? If it's not Indiana yeah. Jones, it's Han Solo. Yeah. But you don't... You've never once heard him saying, I want to come back to play Han Solo, right? <laughs> they had to go... Literally, go beg him to come back a couple times to play Han for the sequel trilogy. Uh, opposite, and, and work right. And work their effort, right? And, and Rick Deckard, right, from Blade Runner, he... It's not like they were, like beating the drum to come back for you know, Blade Runner 2049, which is another great movie. But again, he wasn't like saying like, we must get this movie done. We must get this movie done. Yep. He was saying, I want to be indie. I am indie. This is fun to do this. And if I want to be associated with one character in my career, it's this one. That's him making a choice. That's one of the great film stars and actors of, of all time. Yeah. Right. You yeah. can argue that Harrison Ford is the greatest, one of the greatest film stars of all time, <laughs> using yeah. that term "film star," right? Um, that this is the the iconic figure that he wants to be associated with Harrison Ford, right? Harrison Ford, great actor, known for Indiana Jones first, yep. right? Then yep. Han Solo, then Rick Deckard, then all the other, you know, Doctor Richard Kimball. <laughs> oh, <laughs> great movie! Another great, great one. Movie. <laughs> It's just so cool that, you know, it's not George. George George is like, I want to start the Clone Wars and call it a day. You know, he's looking ahead to Red Tails and doing other fun, wacky adventures in his career. Yep. Steven Spielberg, I think, was fine if he never did another Indiana Jones film. He was clearly on to more, quote-unquote, adult-like films, right? Your yeah. War of the Worlds, your uh, AIs, your Minority Reports, Catch Me If yeah. You Can, the Munich even, these Oscar worthy films in his post Schindler's List era and to get the gang back together you needed a big name like Harrison to say like let's get this done let's do this we gotta have another story here this it's gonna make sense I'm not getting any younger (laughs) let's do this now before (laughs) maybe we do this again when I'm 80 which I think it works this is I think we're a lot more accepting of the Dial of Destiny because we had Kingdom of the Crystal Skull we saw a 60 year old Harrison doing this so it makes it easier to accept an 80-year-old rather than going from 48, 47-year-old Harrison in The Last Crusade all the way to 80-year-old. Right? It's, a, it's a bit easier of a stepping stone, if you will, to see the character's evolution through that. Well, and can I just bring that up? Because that was another thing that I came across in people's issues with the film was that they couldn't suspend their disbelief enough to really believe that a a 60-plus-year-old Harrison Ford could be doing what Indiana Jones... And again, I go back to... We're talking about a franchise where a man is swinging across caverns on a whip and looking for the Holy Grail and the Ark of the Covenant and people are reaching into chests and pulling out beating hearts. Yes. Come on, guys. Come on. Let's also, not be... 
so sophisticated here. Yeah. <laughs> Did they not see how good he looks too at age sixty? Can I if I look that... that good at forty, I'll be thrilled. <laughs> I, my wife and I watched this movie last night, just last night, and there was a scene where he was sitting at a table, like when after the whole. Um, uh, atomic explosion and, and his refrigerator escape <laughs> and he was being interrogated by the FBI mm-hmm. and he's just sitting there in a t-shirt, t-shirt. and I looked at I he's looked ripped. at it and my uh, yeah I looked at my wife I go he looks really good <laughs> I wish I looked as a good at, at my age right now I mean they didn't need to do any alterations to the no. jacket to the outfit like it that's basically Last Crusade body esque Harrison that is still portraying this character at this time I mean it's just it's wild. They should be thrilled that he's looking this good rather than I'm worried about the suspension of belief here, right? Like, come on. <laughs> the fedora still fits. If the as fedora long as still the fedora fits, fits <laughs> you, you keep him in this role. <laughs> yeah. That's what I say. And speaking of hats or maybe, let's say, skulls, if you will, things that go on heads. <laughs> nice. Uh, what do you make of... You know, this film is called Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. And again, that can be a little convoluted plot-wise and all that in this movie. But what do you make of the idea of this, whatever the Crystal Skull is as the MacGuffin for this movie, right? Where you got the, the the Ark Covenant in the first one, the Sankara Stones, the the, uh, the Cup of Christ, Last Crusade. And now we got uh, an alien skull, if you will, or I, uh, more accurately, I should say, interdimensional beings. <laughs> Does that whole international interdimensional beings aspect work for you in this movie and the whole aliens, whatever you want to make of it? <laughs> yes, the the, the inter- interdimensional beings, and and I'm I really like the fact that um, Ox made a point to say that these are not aliens. Yes, yes, he they're, makes it very clear. <laughs> they're more than that, Indy. They're more than that. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> the MacGuffin, the Crystal Skull, is pretty far out, you know, even by Indiana Jones uh, standards, because even though the Ark of the Covenant, the Holy Grail, um, especially, those are pretty far out, too. Mm-hmm. But they're rooted in history. They're something that yeah, most people on this planet have had some exposure to in one way or the other. Yeah. We even talked about it last uh, on the last episode about the Holy Grail being the Holy Grail. Like that, yeah. there's a reason that 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 phrase exists. Um, the Sankara stones, not so much, you know, what people know about those, but they did a really good job explaining why the, sure. those are important. Yeah. This one is is really going off the reservation here, right? <laughs> <laughs> but I love it for that reason because it's George Lucas doing what George Lucas does. Yes. You know? Yes. He's not he's fearless. The man is fearless and he has been from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um and he's just gonna be like, no, we're gonna have Indiana Jones, he's gonna find a a crystal skull and it's gonna be we're gonna have spaceships. We're going to have spaceships. We're going to have a flying Jones. saucer at the end of this movie, yes. <laughs> and Harrison probably at that point was like, oh, man, I, I, I wish I, I hadn't done? brought this up. <laughs> what have I done? Oh, what have I done? Right? <laughs> uh, but it's so out there that you really have to commit to an idea like this. And they did. They saw it all the way through. Um, so I'm there. I'm there for it. Even though it was so far out, I still loved that they were able to tie it into Mayan culture and yes. legends, historical yes. legends. They did enough of that indie um, uh, dialogue and exposition to make you understand like, oh, wait, no, this does have a place in history here. Mm-hmm. We're not just going after some kind of a magic alien skull. Yes. 
we didn't just create this out of thin air. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I actually really like the idea of the Crystal Skull. Again, it first off, it takes us to a place where Indy, we haven't seen Indy before. So again, you're taking his character out of a comfort zone. Of course, we see him a little bit in South America for the start of Raiders. Yeah. But most of this movie is taking place in Peru and other places across of South America that, again, we haven't seen him before in the, in, in, a, in any context, right? We're not going back to Europe. We're not dealing with Western culture, yeah. cultural items, right? The Ark of the Covenant, the the, the, the Cup of Christ, right? We're, even Indy's out of his element a little bit here. That's right. They, you know, this was Ox's kind of thing that he was going after. <laughs> um, so he's like, man, that's, that's, that's not really my element here. I'm... I, but we'll we'll go after this because Ox is my buddy, I, and I think we need to go we'll do this, right? So I don't think he's necessarily after the the Crystal Skull for his own fortune and glory, right? He's after his friend, which I think is a great continuation of what he's learned from the Last Crusade. Yeah, yeah, and you know, I even asked myself as I was getting things together for our talk, I even asked myself, is the Crystal Skull the MacGuffin, right? Because he didn't go mm. after you. Just you you made the point right now. Yeah. He didn't start this adventure to go after the crystal skull he went to go after ox yeah right his buddy ox and, yep. and he ended up finding the crystal skull practically by accident in one of my <laughs> yeah. right it, it, we're going to get to this later in the conversation but one of my favorite scenes is that graveyard scenario oh, that man. graveyard scene Love it. and he just sort of stumbles across it and then that really kicks things further into gear but he's going after ox to start this whole thing it's not mm-hmm. um He's not going after that fortune and glory. I, I think you put it so well, and that is definitely a lesson he learned from Dad in the previous exactly. uh, adventure. Yeah, exactly. And the, the, the other thing I want to add about the aliens of it all, or interdimensional beings, whatever you want to call them, is that story-wise, right at the core of Indiana Jones is the B action movie serials from the 1930s. Yes, and then. You, as George Lucas says, you age Harrison up 20 years. Where does that put us in the 1950s where this film takes place now? This film takes place 1956, 57, somewhere in that range. And now we're in the age of the B sci-fi movies, right? Your War of the yeah. Worlds, your Alien Invaders, your Flying Saucers from Outer Space, People Took Me Away from Mars, right? It fits the genre that the character yes. is supposed to be portrayed in is these serialized adventures. And of course, now you have these serialized adventures that are, have more of a sci-fi bend to them post-World War II, but they're also reflective of the times, which are allegories for the Red Scare that is going on, which again, the other villain in this film is the, the communism aspect of it all, the Red Scare. Yeah. Indy himself is being questioned for being a communist. He's fired from his job for being the fears of being a, a commie. Cate uh, yeah. Blanchett plays a wonderful villain in this movie as the lead of like this communist research scientist division that is trying to learn more about aliens and the potential they could have in the Great Cold War and see if that could give them the upper edge in this stuff. So it all just it makes sense when you think about it, but I, I think it begs the question as we go went back earlier was, was the audience prepared to be thinking this deeply about it? Or do they just want another Indiana Jones, 1939 adventure, him fighting some Nazis in Europe, right. And stealing whatever MacGuffin, the spear of destiny, let's say for example, (laughs) and goes off on an adventure, finds another late leading lady, right. All of the bond films that also inspired this, right. So maybe this all, falls in just the gripes of 
people weren't ready for what they saw. <laughs> you know, for me, it always boils down to expectations. And I think we talked a little yeah. bit about Don't have this them. last time. <laughs> it's Don't just, have them. You're try, never disappointed. <laughs> try your best. Yeah, just lower those. You know, I, I don't even mean lower those expectations. I try to go into things <clears> with <throat> no expectation. But being, uh, yeah, I, I, we preach that all the time. And in, in our household, at least, it's like, be okay if if it doesn't, you know, like, have speculate, but speculate responsibly. Be okay if it doesn't happen exactly the way that you pictured it happening. Yeah. Yeah. Where I'm not getting paid to write these movies. I'm paying them to go see it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And if you don't like it, don't pay to see it. That's exactly. that's the only way to yes. to really get your opinion across is that they're a business at the end of the day. And if you pay to see it, you know, you're you're backing it with your dollar one way or another. <laughs> Listen, to be to be honest, if I'm taking my family of four to go seeing to, to go see a movie, I'm I'm spending minimum fifty dollars. Exactly. And it's not even counting you know, <laughs> food my, and all that, yeah. <laughs> my wild cherry icy that I have to have. Ah, um Good man. I'm telling you, <laughs> I'm gonna like the movie because I've invested <laughs> time and one, money one way or another <laughs> i'm gonna like this movie <laughs> i'm a fan i'm not a critic i'm not going to see these for free i'm gonna look for things i like <laughs> i love that i love that approach it's that's what we try to pre- do here like we do, we're right. not sp- we're not spending our time too right we're spending time to go to these movies these days and for every reason every movie is two and a half hours now <laughs> with 30 minutes of previews leading up to it plus a pre-show where they're playing advertisements for everything under yeah. the sun now so it's really when you add all things together it's like a three and a half hour experience to go see a movie nowadays yep i'm gonna have a good time <laughs> i'm not strapping in to hate something that i'm gonna see on screen here and if it, if that's not how things work for other people, I'm okay with that. This is how I work. I, I like to smile. Yes. I find that my life <laughs> is better when I smile. And I can choose to smile about things. If other people take different approaches, I have I have nothing poor to say about it. God bless you. Enjoy the way you do things. But this is how I do it. <laughs> and may, may you also enjoy your wild cherry icy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so Karen Allen... The great Karen Allen comes back in this movie, and she's the first indie girl, if you will, to return to the franchise. Why do you think that's the case? Either her being the first character to do so, or the fact that they decided to bring back an indie girl, if you will, into this franchise. And, of course, what what do you make of her performance in this film? Well, I think that she absolutely was wonderful. She, I, mm-hmm. I was so glad that that they brought her back and I know that she had left acting for a while and I remember reading things at the time that uh, she was sort of very surprised when they approached her with this and you know she jumped in with both feet and she was terrific her performance was terrific I felt like they literally just left it picked up right where they left off you know you're absolutely Um, right you can watch Raiders and this back to back and be like it's the same dynamic between those two. Honestly, it, you could. That'd be a good double feature. It really is the same dynamic. Um, and I know uh, one of the reasons I think that they chose to bring this character back is because it seems like in Raiders uh, that there was a history between these two characters that there that did not exist in other leading ladies in the subsequent mm-hmm. films, right? Mm-hmm. Especially, you know, Last Crusade, he, you know, he had just met um, Elsa uh same thing i believe in the temple of doom yes, right exactly but there was a a very well established history between these two characters so it would make sense for them to reconnect and 
uh, you know, 20 years, 30 years later down the road or whatever it was. Uh, so that made a lot of sense to me too. And I'm sure we'll get into this down, down the road, but there was a, a very clear to me anyway, a very clear idea of trying to set things up for the future. Oh, and yes. she would have, she fit that idea and that direction very, very well. But I honestly, I think she's one of the highlights of the movie for me because she just, she really just, she committed to the whole thing Agreed. from the outset. And she just gave us a fearless performance, just like she did in Raiders. And she's just, she was just tremendous. Yeah. You got that romance from Raiders back into this movie. Like, that is literally injected into the, the chemistry that these two have on screen. I mean, am I watching a film that took place almost 30 years after Raiders of the Lost Ark? Yes, but it doesn't feel like it on screen i feel like these characters walked off of that set and walked right onto this one and kept the chemistry going yeah i think it's great that also as we talked about a little bit earlier we're putting characters in situations that they've never been in before because that's interesting for the storytellers and for the people behind the camera and what's interesting indy having to reconcile with his past and the consequences of his actions it's a first for him honestly um him having, you know, the, uh, there was a different girl in each film, and they didn't want to answer the Marion question in Temple of Doom, so that's why they made it a prequel sequel. And of course, they kind of tossed tossed her out of the picture by The uh, Last Crusade and, and yeah. brought in another person and didn't really give an explanation as to where she is in that movie, uh, other than just us assuming that it didn't work out. Um, right. So now we got an answer to that. And clearly, I think if you watch the end of Raiders... Indy is still like he's he's not focused on Marion. No. He's not ready to settle down. He's looking for whatever fortune and glory that he's still trying to accomplish in his life. And I think in my opinion, that's the real glory again of the ending of the last crusade is that once he's mended that relationship with his father, he's found the fortune and glory that he's looking for. He understands the importance of connection and relationships now more so than ever. That allows him to finally open that door back up to Marion in this movie. I love um, that. I love that. That's that's a brilliant point. I just love it. Thank you. <laughs> it's, I, and again, that's what makes this film so special to me, again, and why it's necessary Indiana Jones viewing after The Last Crusade is that, again, we get to have this resolution to this kind of dangling thread, if you will, and of course, we're going to talk a little bit about the other part that comes with this dangling thread. Um, but again, she is just really, really great. I love her smile in this movie. Like, you know, it's just an infectious Karen Allen smile that that she yeah. brings straight from Raiders into this movie. Um, and I, although the the years have passed, and certainly more mileage is on, uh, uh, you know, as Indy says, for, for both of yeah. them at this point. <laughs> yeah, they as soon as they're on screen. They're back in 1981 or 1936, whenever you know it, it, the years yeah. didn't pass. They're they're yeah. the same people on that same adventure that was before, and I love that line that Indy says where you know they both are basically when they're in the truck and they're learning a bit about each other a bit more and what they've been doing over the last couple of years. And he, she gets up and she's like, you know, I bet there are other women in your past too, right? Yeah. Or you know, I wasn't the last girl that you had. And then he gets up and she's like, yeah, well, they weren't you or, you know, something to that extent, yep. like, uh, and all that. And then she just she swoons right back for him. <laughs> it's right there. Yeah. And I'm swooning, too, for Harrison. Like, I'm rooting for these two. 
I want these two to have their happy ending, which we know, of course, does happen later on in this movie. But it's just great to have them back on screen. Of course, if there's an indie girl to come back, I think we all would presume it should be her. Um, yeah. And it's great. I love that she's it's back. So, it's so sweet to see their chemistry on, on screen and to see the characters yeah. reacting to each other. And then she forces Indy into the most uncomfortable portion of his life, which was yes. having to grow up, right? And yes. being responsible, or at least having the idea of being responsible for another person, which You're is right. not something he's had to consider because he's just been on his own doing his own thing. Mm-hmm. But here now is someone that he does love back in his life. And uh, by the way, surprise, you have yeah, another yeah. human so, being. Some, something else is coming. <laughs> yeah, something else is coming. And, you know, just to see him adjusting to that, you know, it just goes back to the brilliance of Harrison Ford as a performer because he's still the adventurer. He's mm-hmm. still the one that has no idea what the next moment is going to bring, but he's yeah. going to be prepared for it. But now he's also coming to terms with the fact that he has a family Absolutely. Uh, that he's never had to consider before. Yeah, yeah. Well, another first for this franchise is that a female is also the main villain. Of course, we got a little bit of a female villain in The Last Crusade in Alison Duty's Elsa Schneider, but she's not the main villain. Walter Donovan is the main villain of that yeah. movie, I would argue. So, of course, this character is Colonel Dr. Irina Spalko, who's played by the great Kate Blanchett. And how does this character in particular stack up against the other villains in the series? And what do you overall make of the Cold War elements that we talked about a little bit uh, earlier in this movie? Yeah, I love the fact that it's updated, you know, because they always had um, sort of a a political side to the adventures, you know, because of the Nazis. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, so, of course, this being now in the 50s, as you mentioned before, it had the updated, you know, sci-fi type of thing, but it also updated the villain to what, who the villain was back then in, you know, in, histor- in history, uh, the communists, the, the Soviets. Uh, so I thought it was um, a good story choice. I'll be honest, I, I'm not a huge fan of the villain, the character. I think mm-hmm. Kate Blanchett kills it, like, you know, we mentioned with Karen Allen. She gives a fearless performance. She is sold out, and she's doing the best. But sometimes in certain scenes, I get, like, a whole, like, um, twirling of the mustache vibe. <laughs> yeah. And I'm fine with that because this is a very much a twirling of the mustache type of movie. Um, but I, I got to say that the most compelling scene for me uh, with this character is the interrogation scene where mm, she's really giving it, yeah. us a peek into what her motivations are. Because before that and after that, uh, I just think that it's sort of a straightforward um, baddie. You know, yeah. uh, I, I feel like she got more complex in that interrogation scene. I mean, and what she's talking about is terrifying, you know, trying to use something to... Right mind control your villain and you know i'm I'm not going to get too political here but i actually thought of the the whole facebook um controversy in the 2016 election yeah she was sitting there saying now this was 2008 right and she's talking about controlling your enemies' minds and i thought to myself oh my gosh wait a minute hey we sort of saw that in (laughs) social media Holy smokes, another movie that is, like, be ahead of its time. Now, completely different uh, execution of what she's talking about sure. right, in the movie. But, boy, that was sort of chilling for me when I was watching her sort of monologue herself through that, going, yeek, wow, that, we sort of experienced a version of this. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I do think that 
again, you know, she there's other things going on in this movie besides the villain, which yeah. maybe was one of the things that people have an issue with. Uh, but yeah, I, I felt like the whole motivation behind it was very cool. Uh, but sometimes I just felt like she was a little bit cookie cutter for me. But the performance yeah. was fantastic. I agree with you on that matter. And and yes, anding that, I think that she also really didn't get a chance to see how menacing she could be because she really needed Indy because Ox was, you know, his mind was yeah. gone. Yeah. <laughs> so she needed Indy to actually complete the adventure that they needed to do in finding the actual Akatar <laughs> yeah. and, and yeah. putting the, the skull on the head, right? She needed him for this purpose and to get whatever information he could out of Ox. So she's like, well, I can, you know, like put your, your son and, and your, your almost ex-wife into a, <laughs> into a, into these like dangerous situations, right. Where I can threaten their life and well being and potentially Ox too, but I still, I can't only push so many buttons. Right. I feel like right. she almost had her hand ties behind her back in order to get that ultimate knowledge that she was seeking, whatever, yeah. What was at the end of the tunnel for the Crystal Skull, what she gets? And it pays off what usually all of these indie villains have for a large degree, which is they can't look away. Or they're yep. the first to make the the first one in. is ne- almost, you know, it's never a good thing. <laughs> That's also a, a common theme I'm learning from these movies is don't be the first one to go in because you make the wrong choice. And it allows Indy to come in and say, oh, don't do that. <laughs> Choose that cup instead of this one. Uh, and don't be greedy. <laughs> Don't, Don't be greedy. Don't be greedy. <laughs> yes. Look a- glo- close your eyes. Look away. Knowledge is great and all that stuff. We've done a great adventure along the way, but we've really learned that friendships are the, the knowledge we make at the end yep. of all this. Love it. You can yep. read it in a book. You can learn the legends and stories, but some things weren't meant to be known by humans. And as she finds out, you just eventually just get <laughs> you turn into what you blow up. You, you disintegrate. Whatever happens to her, she becomes part of the ship. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, it's a little confusing at the end what actually happens to her. Her eyes catch on fire and all that stuff. It's it's wild. <laughs> Good stuff by ILM for sure, but uh, she Definitely. she evaporates into nothing. <laughs> Definitely another disturbing end to an indie villain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't be a villain in these movies. It's not going to end no. well for you. I'm lo- I'm looking at you, Mads Mikkelsen. It's not going to end well. <laughs> Whatever happens in Dial Destiny, <laughs> ILM is going to set itself up for one of the most wild instances of. Uh, whatever CG or practical effects that they're going to do, you're going to get it, man. <laughs> I can't wait to see what's in store. <laughs> oh, man, I agree. I agree. And, yeah, the Cold War aspects of this film are just really interesting politically-wise. And then yeah. I, I just love, like, how Harrison, it makes sense that Indy would be such a, a ardent supporter of the U.S. in the midst of the Cold War, like spying on the Reds. He's mentioned he's done before. When they're like, you know, you have any last words to say? And he's like, I like Ike. <laughs> yeah, that's great. I just get a good laugh anytime. Where I'm like, man, that's exactly what Indiana Jones would say this moment in time. He's not going to stand down. <laughs> no. Uh, even though, right, it's like, what, what are we fighting for in the Cold War here? Right? It's, again, it's kind of the point of this movie is like, we don't need to do this. <laughs> we, yeah. the, you know, we, we could return the Crystal Skull. But it's also fine not being put back at all. You know, I'm sure the interdimensional beings would be fine going to the next place. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but at the end of the day, don't disturb history, right? There's another group here, right? The, the, we have the people in similar in almost all of these films where there's a group of local natives that are like, please don't disturb us. Don't disturb history. It's fine where it's at. Let it go. 
right? Uh, Raiders had that, of course, yep. with the fertility idol in the beginning, right? They're like, yep. <laughs> don't don't mess with the idol. Or literally, the the whole structure of the facility will fight back. Uh, <laughs> there's that wonderful group that is in the Last Crusade that uh, I don't know if we talked about enough last week, so we'll get to try a little bit about this now. <laughs> they at, in Venice when they're trying to stop Indy from actually finding out the secrets of where the Grail could possibly be. Like I love yep. that secret society aspect of this, and then in several instances in this movie, where it be at the grave sequence or at the or in the actual like Akatar itself, there's these great native groups that are there that are trying to protect the secrets of this right there this is their deity almost they're the, these these basically they're seeing these interdimensional beings as gods if you will yep. that they're like don't disturb their resting place right and i think that's a big theme to take from these movies is sometimes history isn't meant to be on earth <laughs> let yeah. legends be legends they're great for for myth and stories and and for learning how to impact tomorrow but don't go digging up the past for you know right it's like that great question in in the last crusade if you will where it's like for whose glory do you seek the grail for yours or for his right and Absolutely. For all the people that are villains in these films, it's for their glory and not for the whatever the his is. Um, whether it be for knowledge, for having it in a museum, for other people to see, it's for selfish reasons and personal gain that these people are doing these these heinous acts or trying to unearth these artifacts. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's it's a cool stuff having the Cold War and all that stuff, and just different too. I want to pose this question to you because this is another thing that I see on the internet all the time, and I. I loathe this scent. I loathe this sentiment whatsoever. I hate it. I hate it. It's it's so. I, I, I'll let I'll let you answer first. But I'll, I'll my blood boils anytime I think about this. <laughs> is that people will say on the internet? I'm sure you've probably come across this phrase too. Is that Indiana Jones only works when he's fighting the Nazis? What do you make of that? <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> Agreed. No. I I hate no. that sentence. I hate no. that sentiment. No, it just, it's. I don't even understand where that comes from because this the whole thing is set up to be and you referenced it before you know that the the, the serial type of episodic w- these movies don't need other movies I think we even mm-hmm. uh, talked about this last time about the last yes. crusade yeah. they they exist they're an adventure it's an adventure film he's going to go on an adventure you don't even need previous knowledge you don't need foreknowledge they're right. not setting up some big world they don't need to world build in that sense. They build it in a different way. And the Temple of Doom is a perfect example of that. He, of course, he's going to be on some type of, of an adventure. He's an archaeologist that goes out and looks for these artifacts, right? You know, we all know that archaeologists don't, you know, have these fedoras and whips. Yes. And, but in these <laughs> movies, he does. And he's an adventurer, right? He's He's this type of character. And... It doesn't matter who he's going up against. It's the adventure that's at the heart of everything, not the villain. The mm-hmm. villain is there just to complicate things. And I don't care if it's a <laughs> Nazi, yeah. a Russian, a Soviet, um, uh, or some guy that's stealing children to enslave them. It's That's the point. The, the point is the adventure and what exactly. we learn along the way. So, um, yeah, that that's just uh, – that doesn't work for me. It's it, I agree 100% with everything you're saying there. It's so – ludicrous to me that they would want to hinder the creativity of the storytellers by putting them in this box where he can only fight against Nazis, where tyranny can exist anywhere in the world. Yeah. 
And if there's a good villain and a good story, then they should go with it rather than having to be like, well, you can only fight Nazis because that's what the audience wants. Like, no. No. <laughs> it doesn't no. work that way. And it I would make no sense for him to fight Nazis in the 50s. <laughs> no, it wouldn't. And I wonder if it just comes from the whole idea that the bet the two consensus best indie movies happen to be centered around Nazis. I think it does, um, yeah. And that's probably where it comes from. But no, it's not. No, I no no nope. Mm-mm. Yeah, the internet's wrong on that one. We'll <laughs> we'll stand up against that tyranny. <laughs> Just put that on the long list of other things the internet is wrong about. <laughs> yes, yes, we'll, we'll start our gripe list. <laughs> um, so we've we've danced around this this subject a little bit here, but let's get into it. But perhaps the biggest reveal of this movie is that Mutt, who's played by Shia LaBeouf is Indiana Jones's son, Henry Jones the Third. How do you react how how did you react in your first viewing to, to this news? And did you think that this was gonna possibly or if it was meant to set up future adventures? Was he meant to wear the fedora as he tried to do at the end of this movie? <laughs> yes. I, I do think that um that was on their minds uh because like we just said this franchise exists in in a way that you can tell these endless stories you don't need Mm -hmm. time doesn't really matter it doesn't matter if it's in the 20s or the 80s you know you can still have these kind of stories especially with the heart that they tell them with and the themes that they explore Mm -hmm. now of course no one and harrison ford has been very very clear about this no one plays indiana jones except him and rightfully so Rightfully so. But you can still find a character if you do it right and continue stories in this kind of way. And I think that that's what they were maybe not 100% committing to, but exploring the options of with introducing Mutt. You got to remember, Shia LaBeouf was... I don't even know if I could call him a rising star at this time because I think he already rose. He he had he was the top star in Hollywood at that time. Transformers, like I mentioned the year before, and then the year after Transformers too. Like this kid was rolling the box office for the next four or five years, and he was a he was a big. We were big fans of him in our household. We Absolutely. I mean the kids watched. We him loved him even, even Stevens. Stevens. <laughs> we watched him in Holes. He was an iRobot. You mentioned yeah. Transformers. I mean the kid was he was becoming an a-list movie star Absolutely. and he was young he had the charisma he had the ability i i could see them saying this this guy can wear the fedora maybe not in this movie but we can make it this can happen unfortunately it wasn't meant to be and i'm sure you know you could probably write a dissertation on why because it's <laughs> yeah. it's not an easy question to answer no. um was it the film was it his you know uh challenges that he encountered in subsequent years was it both did one happen because of the other i mean these are all good questions that that could be honestly discussed about why um you know did people just not take to him in that in that role uh, i don't know but i i liked the idea i was excited about the potential mm-hmm. of the franchise going down this path uh having a younger person take over you know the not the role of Indiana Jones, but the role that he plays in the movies, mm. and then maybe having Harrison transitioned into more like a, a Doctor Jones Senior situation. Sure, sure. Yeah. Uh, the possibilities were all there. Yeah, unfortunately, it wasn't meant to be. But yeah, at the time, you know, I was I was there for it. I was like, give me more Indiana Jones movies, absolutely. <laughs> I agree. I mean, like, 
This it's it's look he Shia LaBeouf he 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 did it he did things right he he's accountable we're holding him accountable on this podcast for the the work the, the things that he's done like right we're he's, we're not giving him a pass on anything here so in it's just tragic in my opinion because like this he had the world open to him. And it's just so sad when a person like drops the ball so hard like that. Like he was, he, he had the keys to the castle. I mean, oh, like he this sure did. He was going to be the next thing. I could easily have seen him years later being cast in a Marvel film mm-hmm. or, you know, being a key character of the MCU or, you know, any type of these big franchises that are now existing today that he could have easily have been the lead for, for these things and again you mentioned he had the great charisma he had the on-screen uh he just had it all at the time and for someone to just drop the ball it's just so sad when you're like man most people would thrilled out be thrilled to have the opportunity and it's just so sad when you see somebody with good talent and all that stuff too just for their own personal actions and reasons just losing it like that and again i think it is a great movie I like what Mutt represents in this movie and his act and his acting in this movie is good. I think the audience just didn't take to it for whatever reason. Again, they weren't ready for this movie or what this movie presented for them. Right. It was a, a shock to many. I imagine who were expecting Raiders part two <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. and then to see older Indy and then this new up and comer. That's definitely a characterized version of 1950s American graffiti stuff. Which is so up George Lucas's alley. Oh, like, absolutely. You might as well, I mean, Mutt, honestly, in many ways, is basically just a young 15, 16, 17-year-old George Lucas. <laughs> yeah. If you yeah. will, right? With the, the combed hair and all that stuff. Greaser, riding his motorcycle. I mean, if it wasn't the motorcycle, it had been a hot rod of some sort, right? That's just American graffiti. It's all George Lucas's passions and his childhood coming out in this character, so it, again, it makes sense for the time period, and just, I don't think people were just ready for this at the time. And again, they're not going to close the door on potential storytelling, right? So right. that that's why they did the Young Indiana Jones Adventure series after they did the great opening in in the, the Last Crusade. So if there was mm-hmm. an option and people took to this character, great, they're going to yeah. have a chance for more stories. Whether it be uh, another TV series or a movie series, what have you. There was an option for them, yep. but for better or for worse, it didn't happen. And you know, and, and that's what it may, when we were watching this yesterday, uh, and that fedora blows off of the uh, the hat rack and it goes at his feet, and he has it, he almost puts it on, and then Indy comes by and <laughs> he takes snags it. Off. it. <laughs> I just, you know, I, I sort of looked at my wife, and we were like, he literally was that close. Yeah, he was. not only as a character but as an actor, uh, and. And we we looked at each other, and my wife said, "He goes, she goes, he was that close. He was. But there's there there could be a happy ending here because I think of Robert Downey Jr. Everybody had counted him out. What? He had had really high highs and very low lows, and he still became uh, super uber successful. Mm-hmm. Tony Stark. So yeah. you know, Shia LaBeouf's story hasn't been finished yet. It's he." I feel like he's come to a better place now. I, I remember seeing a movie. I'm not sure if you've ever seen it, but it's called Peter um, Peanut Butter Peanut Butter Falcon. Oh yes, I've heard of it. Yes, watch it. 
he's in it he's magnificent and it's a beautiful wonderful story very heartfelt lovely really enjoy the the movie and he does a great job the kid is talented he is he is an artist right so there's a I hold out hope for him. Maybe not in the role of, a, of an Indiana Jones type of thing, but, you know, he he's out there and, you know, we all just hope that he is uh, in a healthy place for himself as a human, yes. first and foremost. Yes. So. Certainly and take care of his own issues path. first and all that stuff, right? Everyone's capable of redemption if they seek it, <laughs> right? Absolutely. That's, if anything's taught me from, if I learn anything from Star Wars, it's that, it's that lesson, right? <laughs> if Vader can do it, anybody can do it. So, <laughs> you know, if he wants to, um, you know, we'll open our, our arms up again, but you have to have to want it, man. I can't, I can't want it more than you do. So uh, exactly. that's ultimately where I land on that. Well, let's talk some fun stuff here as we kind of wrap up in this episode. So this installment is certainly ripe with so much action and adventure. I think this actually might be some of the most adventure of any of the Indiana Jones films, if you ask me in my rewatches leading up to this podcast. What are some of your favorite action moments or sequences from this movie? I love the action in this movie. I I was so I really enjoyed rewatching it last night and you're right there is there's more chases, there's more yeah. <laughs> there's, there's so many chases. Um I'm a big fan of the beginning. The the beginning uh scene. Uh, I love the callback to Raiders with the oh, warehouse. I love that opening. <laughs> I love the magnetic stuff, you know, with Indy. I love seeing Indy's brain work. And he's like, give me a compass. Uh, I need gunpowder. And then he's like, give me shotgun shells. And he just, he leads them to uh, what they needed with his intellect, right? Mm -hmm. I just love the, I love the concept of that. I love the fact that they give us a little peek of the arc. That's super fun. And That's I old news how... too. They're on to other things. <laughs> they don't oh, yeah, want the yeah, Ark yeah. anymore. <laughs> no, no, no. Ark? What Ark? No, we give give us the aliens. Um, I love the wonderfully weird town. I was so confused. Oh, I remember man. being so confused by that scene when he's running. Uh, we get a great fist fight. I, I love Indiana Jones fist fights, and this is a good one with with the guy. Um, before they get um, put on that sort of rocket train thing, mm-hmm. and that, and and then he finds himself man, in this town. Yeah. So the whole beginning of this movie is just so much fun. And it ends with him in a mannequin town being saved by a refrigerator and launched by a nuclear weapon. I mean, I'm. It's bonkers, but it works. Yeah. (laughs) Give me more. I'm here for it. Um, Beyond that, though, I I really I mentioned the graveyard scene Mm -hmm. and just how love I love how how creepy it is and how they make those characters move. It's almost like horror movie level, yeah. Where they're jumping in, jump jumping scares, out. and all of that. Oh yeah. Oh my goodness! I can only imagine that that mu- that would have been very scary in a theater. Yeah. Very scary. Um, and then the end. I loved the creativity of how they had to find their way in the temple, um, and you know Oxley being the whole it drops three times, and then <laughs> the eye, you know, the waterfall coming out of the yeah. eye of the. the and then the sand, and they had to keep the obelisks out. And then you see all this architecture is just folding into one another. And I just thought it was so creative. And I love how it all culminates in the fact that it's all lost to history. It's mm-hmm. just all lost. It's just, all buried it goes, underwater. Yep. <laughs> you know, and even Marion and Mutt, I don't even think they saw the spaceship. Because I looked down, and at one point, their their faces are down. They're not looking up. They're, like, covering each other. 
and you only see Indy standing up looking over that massive mm. uh, landscape. Yeah. And then once it's gone and the water is flowing down into that um, valley, that's when the rest of the characters get up and start to look around. Ooh. And I'm like, ooh, I think only Indy saw that happen. Man, you're onto something there. I never even thought of that myself. I could be completely wrong, so check my work. <laughs> but I, I, I'm pretty sure that that's how it played out. And I just love that idea that Indiana Jones is the only one to have seen that happen. And it tracks, too, because Marion, of course, learned to not look at the at the Ark. So why should she look at something just as magnificent true. and wild as that? Like She doesn't know so what true. could happen, so she's like, I'm going to guard my eyes and my son's eyes from potentially being melted. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Man, yeah. I, this film is just so... Again, it's full of action. It's He's so much named fun. so many. It's so much fun. And I will say, I think my... If if it isn't my favorite, I do love that it, that opening sequence too. My my uh, the, the the part that I go to where I'm like, man, I'm so knee deep in this movie. I need to watch the rest of it. Is if I make it to the part where he's playing chicken with uh, the two trucks in in the Area 51, and Max like, you don't know him, you don't know him. He's gonna keep doing it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if I see that, I'm in for the rest of the movie. I'm gonna watch the rest of it. It's too late. <laughs> Like, that is just so quintessential Indiana Jones. And, of course, like, we've talked last week how, like, he has this earned confidence where he just knows everything's going to work out no matter what. So, like, uh, when he throws his gun, when uh, Mac turns on him and he throws the gun down and just fires, shoots the guy in the foot, he starts shooting off his gun and he just gets away. Like, it's like he planned it. That's exactly what yep. was going to happen. <laughs> uh, love that stuff. And, of course, that is the... the precursor to that great action sequence there in area 51 where it just all goes to madness after that the sure, other yeah. action sequence that is just so near and dear to my heart is the um the little bit of a fight se- chase sequence if you will with the the motorcycle through marshall college in in this movie i love when they're riding the motorcycle through the library i mean who hasn't thought of doing something like that? If you've ever been inside either a college library, a public library, a space where you're certainly not supposed to talk, if at all, you're going to talk at a minimal level, and they're just coming in with this full 1950s, you know, <laughs> souped-up motorcycle that's louder than all get out, just going straight through this, and it's like, man, they're rock stars coming through here. <laughs> And he still stops in the middle of all that chaos and tells the and gives some some scholarly advice to a student sitting. At yes, the exactly. Table. Get and, out of the library, <laughs> man. That, that's so cool. And again, of course, him being a teacher too. We talk uh, the the great graveyard sequence, which perhaps has one of the best one liners in the entire Indiana Jones franchise, if you ask me. Where he finally sees him an uh, action, if you will, mm-hmm. and then he's like, "Well, you're a teacher, part time." <laughs> Part-time. Yeah, part-time, man. You're a part-time teacher, full-time archaeologist, you know, butt-kicker, all that stuff. He knows how to throw a punch or two. <laughs> Love yeah, it. sure does. Especially, Can, you is, know, 60, so, I mean, gosh. <laughs> since you since you brought up um, a line, I, 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 I can't let us get to the end of this conversation without mentioning... Let's do it. The, the line in the beginning... Um, after what is the what is his friend's name that ends up having to fire him? Uh, the the one the oh, dean of the college. Oh, the dean! Oh my gosh! I'm anyway, the name yes, the dean. We, we know that it's also in Harry about. Potter. 
<laughs> but he's it's what's it's when they're back at at um at Indy's house and he sits down at his desk and he says it's been a couple of a few rough years and yeah. they show the, it's a wonderful homage to those two characters and then the dean of the college whatever his name may be he says it seems we've reached the time the age where life takes away more than it gives mm. and i literally wrote it down in my notes i said that is just it's poetry it is that is poetry great wisdom. and that is such it's a great such a wise line you can tell someone who has been through some stuff is the one that wrote <laughs> that line yes yes david cuff is like man I've seen some things. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, and I, I love that sequence too, because you get John Williams. We haven't talked about uh, yet in this in this sequence, but to come back again to do this wonderful work, I've been listening to this. I bought the CD of this because <laughs> it's not yet on vinyl. So I bought the CD and I've, I was cruising around in my car today, of course, feeling like Indiana Jones, listening to it. <laughs> and you got some recurring themes of course you have the raiders march marion's yep. theme in this movie a little bit of the ark of the covenant uh the yep. that arc theme in area 51 but you get that last crusade grail theme when you see henry jones senior in yeah. that moment which again heartwarming i just hear it in the back of my head indiana indiana yep. like yep. man all the emotions come right back to you as you see that ah john williams um what an absolute treasure yeah protect uh, him at all just, costs he must live absolutely. to 150 <laughs> gosh he's he's just incredible i don't even know that i can um express what this what this the, what the genius of this man has done in our lifetime and Agreed. way be, before that oh just i'm so excited that we get more of we it get, in this movie oh, too man. We, ooh, we're getting ooh, another ooh. and he's not done he's not done nope. <laughs> may that man work forever <laughs> yes I mean, let's think about that. All these people involved with this franchise, if they had just this on their resume, they would be <laughs> legends in Hollywood, let alone yeah. it being just one of Spielberg's movies. I can't believe I'm saying that. Like, if, yeah. Yeah, And this guy did Jaws. Yeah, he did Close Encounters. He did E.T. We're just talking yeah. movies in his first five or so years of being a director, let alone Jurassic Park, Schindler's List, Saving Private Ryan, these great movies that have come out recently of his. George Lucas, again, Star Wars. We wouldn't even be doing sitting here today if, if it weren't for Star Wars, let's be honest. Nope. And John Williams, nope. where to start? Where do you start with John Williams? Jaws? <laughs> Schindler's List? Jurassic Park? Uh, Star Wars? What are we doing? Yeah. It's, I mean, his... his um, I know it's not called a filmography because that's people that make movies, but uh, his... If you go look at him up on, on the Wikipedia... His work starts in the 50s. He was doing yeah. uh, scores yeah. for television in the 50s. It's just remarkable. And I'd be remiss if we didn't mention Kathleen Kennedy. You're right. And, Absolutely. And, we and must Fran- talk and Frank about her. Marshall. Yes. And Frank Marshall, uh, too. Yes. I, I was watching the credits and listening to John Williams when I watched Raiders. <laughs> as you uh, must. Recently. Yes. Yeah. And I just happened to see her name go by as assistant to Mr. Spielberg. Her first movie. And I'm like, well, that's Kathleen Kennedy, now the president of Lucasfilm, and mm-hmm. an insanely accomplished producer in her own right. Aside from all these other things, just it, it's a um, perfect storm. Yes, and of course Frank Marshall too. Who, when you watch yep. the behind the scenes of these, is somehow the guy that's always forced to go get whatever crazy animal is supposed to be the MacGuffin for the movie, whether it be snakes, <laughs> rats. Yeah. 
insects in this one. I, I assume they're CG ants in this one, so I don't think he had to do oh. a whole lot of work in this one. <laughs> but, but what a poor guy all those years that had to find these rat breeders in Europe or snake breeders in <laughs> Europe. Uh, uh, all the insects and bugs in Sri Lanka, like, man, don't envy that job, let me say. He's, no. he's earned his, his his due in Hollywood, that's for sure. Absolutely. <laughs> Um, all right, Colby, let's wrap up this conversation here with a little bit of some, uh, the ending of this movie, of course, which I think is a great ending for this. And what would have been if this, if we'd have never gotten another Indiana Jones film, I think this is a wonderful ending to the franchise. And I, we'll talk about this in a second here. So this movie again has an incredible happy ending and perhaps at the time for the franchise. How do you think or hope that the dial of destiny continues the legacy of what the ending of this movie set forth. So this, all, these types of questions, I, I always re- revert back to my no expectations rule. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so it for me, well, number one, I've muted this on Twitter. Smart. I've muted Indiana Jones, Dial of Destiny. It's all muted. I'm avoiding the commercials that they're going to now throw at us every 25 minutes oh yeah oh yeah um, don't watch the yeah all the nba and stanley cup playoffs have just been nothing mm-hmm. but dial of destiny trailers <laughs> i'm avoiding all that stuff i don't even i've watched the trailers the main trailers that have come out uh but i like that they don't really tell us much about what this i don't feel like they're ruining too much there's a mm-hmm. couple of um things in the trailers that make me laugh a lot yeah. uh but i'm okay with that but I'm really not. I, I've sort of gone into my um, into my moratorium mode right now. And I typically will do this a couple of weeks before a movie comes out. Marvel is terrible at it. They they show us way too much. Oh, I, agree. I avoid the Marvel stuff. Even you know when we do get, um, it's even sort of now getting to the point with Ahsoka too. Like I'm I'm gonna stop. Yeah, I don't need to see at, anymore. I don't need to see anything. Uh, because I enjoy experiencing it more for the first time when I'm watching the thing. So that's that's my disclaimer. But tying it to the end of this, I have to say I'm most interested in seeing how they handle Marion and Mud. Mm-hmm, I, mm-hmm. I, I, I can't imagine they're just going to ignore them. I don't think that that would you be... You have to answer the question now that it's out it, there, yeah. It's going to be a question, so I'm really interested to see how they're handling that, because... That the ending to this movie, like you said, is just so wonderful. It's so heartwarming. Mm-hmm. You get to see Indy. He's he gets he gets married. He's, he's, he's smiling. He's happy. He's he he's is fulfilled. Happy. <laughs> he is so happy. So, and I just I still love the fact that he grabs that fedora at the very last. He's, second he's like, and says, I only wear this hat. Yeah, <laughs> that's mine, kid. Um, so. I'm interested to see how that informs where he is now. Like, where is he when we see him for this new movie? Um, And how how are they going to handle that? So really, that's my main thing that I'm anticipating. And again, however they want to answer those questions, I'm going to be fine with it. I'm going to be okay. Uh, I'm going to be satisfied because, again, I'm going to pay $50, $60 and invest three (laughs) three hours of my life. I'm going to enjoy the movie. Um, But yeah, so again, it was... I, f- I sort of feel like we had a perfect ending with The Last Crusade. Mm-hmm. We had another perfect ending with The uh, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. I'm confident and very hopeful that they're going to give us another perfect ending with Dial yeah. of Destiny. 
Um, because we know, I mean, Harrison Ford is not making any bones about it. He said, this is the last time I'm playing Indiana Jones. He's like, you're not going to see a 90-year-old Indy. No. So <laughs> whatever it. that ends up becoming at the end of when we watch this on June 30th, um, I'm, I'm sure it's going to be emotional. I'm sure it's going to be wonderful. I'm hopeful that they're going to stick the landing uh, yeah. because I don't think that they make this movie and – it's been delayed a few times. They've really taken their time mm-hmm. with it, and I think that that's very good because they're going to they're going to give us the best of what they can give us with this. So I'm just I'm so excited about seeing it. I agree, and I'm I'm going with the same approach that that you have as well, where I'm like, you know, whatever they give me, I'm going to accept it one way or another. Yeah. Like it's, I'm yeah. going to be fine with it. I'm going to wake up the next day and enjoy that I got to watch Indiana Jones and Harrison Ford for the first time. In a, in a movie theater. Yes. <laughs> you know, yeah. I'm going to actually be able to see one of these for the first time on a big screen, which it's going to be so cool. <laughs> I'm so excited. I'm so excited for you to, to experience that. It's, it's going to be, it's going to be wonderful. Thank you. Yes. It's, it's going to be a fun time. Certainly going to shell out 50, 60 bucks to go enjoy it. <laughs> Even and though I'm, I'm a Regal again. Unlimited member, so I can see it as many times as I want. So that $50, $60 will be in snacks. <laughs> yeah. It'll be in large popcorn refills because I'll be seeing it more than once, of course, to just soak in the goodness that is this franchise and just celebrate that we'll get one last adventure on screen here. See it in the different formats, right? Screen X, RPX, what have you. <laughs> Take, see if I get a different angle on a, on a shot, perhaps. Yeah. You know, maybe it changes my viewing of this. But at the end of the day, I'm just, I'm happy that hopefully we get another happy ending. And that's what I'm looking yeah. forward to. So me too. Send me off into the sunset for once. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, Colby, thank you so much for coming on again to talk Indiana Jones. Of course, we will have you back on again in the future to talk Whatever is coming up in the world of Lucasfilm these days, whether it's in another potential Indiana Jones adventure, whether it's perhaps his goddaughter, or maybe <laughs> Mutt, maybe Mutt comes back into the fold, or Short Round gets his day in the sun again, which that I would, would be, cool. I'd be a That'd big be so fan cool. of that. I would love it. Um, of course, you know Star Wars is always in the in the zeitgeist. Soak is coming around the corner. Well, I'm sure we'll be chatting up all of that, but. Where can the fine folks who maybe didn't listen to last week's episode, which they should go <laughs> do immediately after this, find you and your podcast online? You always have my thanks for giving me the chance to uh, talk a little bit about the Colby cast. We're on all the major uh, favorite podcatchers out there. Um, Apple, uh, Spotify, uh, Google, all of them out there. So we, we are also in the process of getting a YouTube channel together. Uh, that's actually the first time I've really talked about that. So um, right now there's just a playlist of some music <laughs> videos, but there will be other things appearing. So go check it out uh, and do the whole like and subscribe thing that I guess now I'm going to have to say as a YouTuber. <laughs> yes, yes, indeed. Um, but other than that, Twitter and Instagram at the Colby cast. Uh, spelled out just just like uh, Colby Cheese. I'm part of the Cheddar family. All right, love uh, it. And yeah, we 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 um, we just did a, a lot of fun stuff. We did a couple of a part one and part two of of showing my kids '80s music videos and Ooh, getting their reactions to it. that. Uh, we talked about um, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Uh, we're getting ramped up and ready to go with the Marvel series coming out soon. Mm-hmm. Um, Secret Invasion. So, and then a lot of movies that are going to be coming at us very <laughs> yeah. quickly. Yep, the summer is um, coming. It's here. We're going to do. We're going to do our best to ca- to cover as much as of it uh, that we can. So, uh, it would be a pleasure to have everybody along. 
Yes, absolutely. Go listen to Colby Cast. Go support. Go su- subscribe on the YouTube channel. You won't regret it. Colby, I- I'm curious now that you've opened up Pandora's box. What is your favorite 80s music video, or at least the one that you were so geeked out to share to your sons? <laughs> so if you listen to any type of conversation I have about music, you will you will hear me say very quickly that I am morally obligated to myself to include Ozzy Osbourne's Crazy Train on oh, every what a musical great, list What a great video. <laughs> yes, it, it was a part of, it's the, um, specifically the one from the Tribute album that came out in 1987 that pretty much defined my childhood, and uh, Crazy Train is, is probably my, my, my favorite song ever, so... Yeah, I would I would put that there. That, that I, I love it. We could do Ozzy talk on this podcast as much. As Absolutely, let's do it. <laughs> we could we could chat all about the song "So Tired Forever," which I love. <laughs> <laughs> I know you, you didn't expect to hear that today, did you? <laughs> You're full of surprises. I know. I might go pull on the single right now downstairs after we're done here, and just to <laughs> bask in the glory yeah. of of that track. We um, have just uh, unearthed a skill I didn't know existed. We absolutely did. Yes, we'll we'll, we'll stay on afterwards to geek out about Ozzy. But for the folks at home, <laughs> we won't we won't uh, we'll let you go here. So thanks again to everybody at home for listening to this incredible episode. And, of course, for listening to this lead-up to Indiana Jones and the Isle of Destiny we've been doing. Of course, we'll be back next week, I believe, with just some final indie thoughts before heading into the Dial of Destiny, which comes out the following week, which will be our spoiler discussion episode of Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. So make sure you go see it that opening weekend so you're not spoiled to all the fun goodness that we've got in the coming weeks here. Again, you can find the podcast on all major podcast platforms. Tell your friends about us. If they're into Indiana Jones, check out our previous episodes with some wonderful guests. Uh, we break down those other films in the franchise, of course. And, of course, our Star Wars and Willow catalog is back there, too. So if you enjoyed the ride, go check out other stuff. You won't regret it. Of course, if you want to follow us on all the social channels, we're available uh, on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and Hive at Force Ghost Pod or at Force Ghost Conversations, depending on the platforms. Just search Force Ghost Conversations, and you'll find us in some way, shape, or form. But until then, folks, we'll be back next time next week with an episode in your feeds. May the Force be with you. Take care. Mm.